everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Um, last time we left you with uh, the Graham Sunis era of management at the Liverpool Football Club, uh, and this time we're going to rejoin basically at the, where where we left off with Roy Evans taking over, um, and that was in the season of 1994-1995. Um, he has a spell of four years, which I find really hard to believe because we've discussed this in pre-pod. I don't think it was that long. It didn't seem that long uh, before Julio took over by himself, but we're, we're going to cover that anyhow. Um, thank you very much to you guys that are still listening to us. I realize our no- numbers are down immensely, but I think it's the same for all podcasts at the moment. So if you're sticking with us, thanks very much. Um, join me on the pod. We've got three guys tonight. Um, first up, as always, in Berlin, Neil Patterson, Chief. How's isolation treating you, mate? <laughs> well, I've been better. I've been better. I'm not going to lie to you, but um, yeah, struggling on. You're still jovial. Come on. I, well, at least on this. <laughs> um, well. uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, I'm sure it's pretty much the same for everyone, really. Um, certainly being better days, but um, but yeah, looking forward to getting into this. It was fun doing a bit of research for it and watching some of those old games and those old teams. Um, reminded me a bit of my teenage years, class. Well, it can't, can't beat a bit of that. Regression in times of isolation. Well, what can I say? Next up in Belfast, again, as always, Dave Dunning. Dave, how are we? How are we feeling? Are we feeling isolated? Are we feeling lonely? Do Are we in despair? I'm all right. I'm still working. So it's... it's well, a, I, I have my own views on that. I'm not going there, not in this podcast, but... Yeah, yeah. it's not It's not, <laughs> It's not. not loads different, except I don't get to go to the pub and I can't watch any football. And So it's, it's not really that bad. You have to talk to me more. Life's a bitch. <laughs> There's, with the, you know, it does have its drawbacks. There is that. Instead of sitting watching the football, we're going to the pub. The last two Saturdays have been the fucking garden. So, you know, my hands are literally between the between gardening and washing my hands every five minutes. My hands are just absolutely beaten to pieces. But yeah, apart from that, all's. So you're fast. As fine as it can be, yeah. You're, you're fast becoming the Belfast Alan Titmarsh. <laughs> ah, yeah, I'll, I'll get there in the end. <laughs> oh, change times from the guy I used to know, I'll tell you. But, uh, I'll, be living off, I'm, I'll be living off the land soon, Dave. <laughs> no, I'm already I'm not doing even, that. I'm not even need to leave the house. Unfortunately, Go, I'm already goats and all, doing that goats before and all the Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. And last but not least, also, well, I think he's in Belfast. I'm not sure unless you're home in Don, Don, Donny Gall. Johnny, Johnny Henderson yeah. with us for, our, for his once a year podcast. How the hell are you, Johnny? Uh, well, that's harsh. That's harsh. Um, <laughs> harsh but true. Harsh but true. <laughs> I was going to say there's got to be. It's at least biannual. I was going to say there's got to be um, a joke about. Alan Touchmarsh and Weeds, Dave, for you. I I'm, I'm not going to of horticulturalism here. <laughs> <laughs> All's good, mate. All's climate. good. All is good. I'm, I'm, missing, I'm missing the football, but listen, we've got the internet. We've got, somebody said, we've got the internet. We've got Netflix. We've got every album ever made for a tenner a month. It could be worse, couldn't it? I think we'll survive. Yeah, well, I don't know about every album ever made. I'm very selective about what I listen to these days. <laughs> there, to be honest with you. you get um, my drift. You get I know I do. I, I get your drift, absolutely. <laughs> you, you would listen to a very select number of those albums, I know. But anyhow, on to Roy Evans. And Chief, I'll come to you first. Uh, as I say, you know, he took over from Sunus. Um, you know, at that time, I think we were all pretty dejected and 
so I know from my, my own point of view, the Sunnis era was 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 a, a great disappointment to us. And you know, we, we saw Roy Evans coming in, and, and Roy Evans was a man, as I say, basically plucked into the club from uh, uh, you know by by Bill Shankly himself, and identified as a decent coach and a man he wanted to work with. So. You know, pretty much died in the wool of that uh, boot room. Came through that boot room, knew the club inside out. You know, from from he, he wasn't someone at that time. I don't think. You know, you talk about we have the internet, and we have this and that. Football on the internet back then wasn't wasn't like it was today. So you know, you knew of Roy Evans, but you wouldn't have known as much about him as you would in today's world. But what you did know about him was that this was a man who was you know part and parcel of the success of the past. And was taken over the club, and you know, we'd we'd, we'd thought the same with Sunis, but this was, I, I talked about, you know, with Sunis going away and coming back, there was a break in the continuity of the boot room. This felt like to me, this was this was the boot room back again, and, and this continuity was back again. What, what what was your thoughts around that time? This is an interesting era for me because this is, I think we we sort of alluded to it perhaps on the last pod, me and Dave, that this was the era for us or for me certainly of of falling back in love with Liverpool after um, a rocky relationship during the Sunez years, not just down to the quality of the football and the standard of player we were seeing, but also due to the fact that that's when the paradigm shift happened and everything moved to sky and there was very, very little um, football on terrestrial TV for, for a few years at the beginning of the 90s. Um, so this was this was really when um, match of the day was back and and you were you know you were um, maybe old enough to be going now around to mates houses who had Sky to maybe watch watch the games or whatever and it was just a little bit more it was a, more accessible put it like that um, and yet it's uh, you know it was it was it was a great time it was a uh, obviously as I said earlier uh, my teenage years so. You know, it's probably the best time of most people's lives, or or certainly a fun time in most people's lives, and um, and that was a really fun team to watch. I remember at the time thinking that it was a good move to go back to. I mean, at that point we were we were desperate to get rid of Sunez, and um, it seemed like common sense to appoint from within the club um, someone who'd been there all the way through and had been there um, behind the scenes and as part of it as player and and staff during all the successful years and obviously knew the club inside out, knows the club inside out. And, uh, I was really happy to, um, for that, for him to be the appointment. I mean, in those days, you've got to remember as well that, um, you know, football managers were, it wasn't like today where you've got like this who's who of, of international globe trotting top managers, uh, who will we get Mourinho or will we get Guardiola or will we, you know, what you're saying it is was, the xenophobia was still strong. Well, well <laughs> in regards to management, it was a much uh, more local. It was a much more local. Yeah, uh, outside of, outside of the British Isles, it was it was it was uncommon and not very fashionable to have a foreign manager. Absolutely, and and in those days, there were very very few foreign managers in the in the top division in England, unless you or even foreign players really at that time still. Yeah, absolutely. And we touched on that during the Sunez one as well, that it wasn't really until the Premier League properly exploded in the mid nineties that you started to get a real influx. And it was sort of sort of the Viali era, wasn't it, at Chelsea that sort of kicked off that that influx. It's certainly in my mind anyway. Um you had a lot you then you had the Romanians started to come with Petrescu and Dimitrescu and then Klinsman came to to Zola to was massive for the for the Premier League as well. Say again? 
Gianfranco Zolo was massive for the Premier yeah. League. Absolutely, and and Chelsea were, I think, kind of the trailblazers in that in that regard, maybe. Um, so yeah, it, it was much more local, and it wasn't it wasn't like oh we're going to get this. To, we're, it wasn't like we were ever going to, for example, get Arrigo Saki or something to come to Liverpool. That, that wasn't going to happen. So it wasn't like you were selecting from a who's who of. of well, Nate, I think it would be fair to say as well, uh, you know, forget Fergie there. I don't think Enrico Sacchi would have looked at Manchester United either. It, it, it wasn't just Liverpool, it was English football. English football in general, of course. Um, so, yeah, I was very happy and 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 uh, it seemed that we would were, were going down the right path. And I, th- I think we did, to be honest, as, as it turned out, I think as we're going to discuss as we get into it further. I mean, Evans actually takes over second half of the 93-94 seasons, kind of February 94. And the first four months really are him kind of assessing the, the squad and results aren't great, uh, but he's, he's very much doing a doing a, a, a recce really to see who needs to go and, and what needs to be done in the in the summer transfer window. And or it's not a window at that time, but what needs to be done in, in, the, in the transfer market. And he certainly right. He certainly steadies the ship. There's there's no doubt about it, and you know sets us up really well. And you know as we're going to come on to talk about, we're very unlucky. Um, well, he 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 can count himself very unlucky not to have delivered more silverware than just the one trophy in his time. We're certainly there or thereabouts, and it's it's a far cry and a complete turnaround from the from the from the agony under Sunez, really. No, indeed, I, I'm fully with you, Johnny. I'll, I'll come to you. You know, like. I think what needs to be said about Roy Evans and, and, you know, maybe people aren't really familiar with him and such a a mild mannered gentleman, a real nice man uh, at the scene. You know, we we had the spit and fire of Graham Souness and we and we changed it for, you know, a really mild mannered, really nice man with with the best intentions of this club at heart. But he took over in a generation where basically the Murdoch money was starting to pile in from Sky. He was afforded quite a good budget. Um, you know, in in terms of, yeah. of the top teams, he he wouldn't have he, you know he wouldn't have been restricted by budgets or anything, and and he, he you know he he was set up he had a fair chance of succeeding given the movement of football at that time because I I've always feel right that mid nineties that was where the game changed financially with you know obviously the introduction of Sky and and Neil alluded to it there you know TV moving. And whatnot, you know, around that time. What are, what's your recollections around that time of, of of you know Roy Evans being appointed and whatnot? You know, I was always very impressed with him because he's a lovely man. Um, when you saw him interviewed and everything, you know, we'd had the the, the you know with t- two Kurt Scotsman. Uh, you know, Kenny was hardly what you could class yeah. as a, a, a smooth operator. Kenny ca- called it as he saw it. But Roy Evans was very good in the media. He was polished and, and very mild mannered, and he took over. At a time, and, and I had great belief that, that this was the club going back to basics. My memories of that era, the, the mid '90s, are they're just really good memories. Really, I think um, you know, the, the, for most of us on here, not 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 you, Dave, obviously, but you know, I, I associate the mid '90s with you know just coming into sort of 17, 18 years of age, um, Euro '96, and I think it was a time when you know football. Football was never the same, really, after Italia 90. I always felt that football then and after, you know, they always talk about, like, you know, Gaza and Turin and all that and the tears. And football was becoming more of, um, you know, it was really starting to become popular, mainstream popular. Whereas I think in the 80s, it was associated football. There was still a bit of, 
something sinister about it with hooliganism and stuff like that. And then you got the, even even in this era, you know, we had the internet, but I think it's worth pointing out that the internet back then didn't have like a podcast and it didn't have fan channels and that you know it, it it affords you a little bit more of a look into the club and and, and you know to 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 a little bit more of a microscope on the club, but nothing, nothing like we have today. Nothing at all. No, I mean, there was, I remember there was, a, you know, you would go on the BBC <laughs> website or Team Talk website to find out transfer speculation. There were a few, it was the early days of a few Liverpool forums. Um, but but you're right. I mean, there was nowhere near the same saturation, but football was, you know, changing in that mid, you know, mid 90s, Euro 96 came and, my memories of that as a football fan, although ultimately I think the team under Evans underachieved. Ultimately, you know, they played some great football and we had some of the, you know, we were sort of very blessed too in that we had some unbelievable games in that area and we had some some of the talent that that, that Evans brought through, especially when you think of McManaman and Fowler. I mean, genuinely, you know, Fowler was... An, there was a spell, I think, under World Evans. Class. I, World class. Oh, I've never, the most natural finisher I'd ever seen. I've, I've still never seen. Um, for the for the if there's any younger listeners that don't really get, um, Fowler. If you look at the goals he scored in ninety four, ninety five, and ninety five, ninety six in particular, he, when he was eighteen, um, in that first season, which I know we're going to come on to talk about, but. You know, it was the Arsenal, the, the legendary fabled Arsenal back four, and David Seaman was in goals. And, you know, Fowler put a hat trick past him in four minutes when he was 18. That, that's how that's how good he was. But we there were just some great games. And, and you're right. I mean, we I think we were all behind Evans because he was a nice guy and he was steeped in the boot room. And under Sunnis, the football had been terrible. We'd sunk as low as eighth in the league. Under Sinus and with Evans, we definitely came back into contention. We were really talked about, and there were long spells of some of those seasons where we were the best team in the country. Um, as we'll come on to talk about in terms of when we were on it, there was there was you know the football we played, but we just didn't. There was just something in that era lacking, which meant we didn't get the trophies, which was always a real shame. But I look back on the Evans era fondly, you know. It was. I, I thought it was a. It was a good. It was a really good time for football and entertainment, and just a little bit unlucky we didn't win more. No, no, I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that, and, and I think that you know in today's world it's, it's easy to look back in, in hindsight, and you know you're you're going, what was the missing ingredient? And I, and I think it was just you know quality of depth that we see today throughout the Premier League wasn't there. Um, you know maybe United had it a little bit better than us, and so on. But I, th- I think it comes down to, you know, key injuries. You, you know, Fowler was ruined by injuries and so on. So so in, in that sense, it, it does make sense. Dave, for you, again, it must have been your teenage years as well. You must have, must have very happy memories of Roy Evans coming in and, uh, you know, the, the, the change of that time. Yeah, I reckon, like, somebody our age could probably make a really, really good coming-of-age film around, like, the football and the music and the discovering alcohol and other stuff um so 
you know. But there's a feeling if you when you talk about the 90s and all that thrown in, because that was the feel-good factor of it, the, the feel-good factor of the sanitization of what went before, because what went before was fucking ugly. Like, let's, let's not make any bones about it. It was, it was ugly. Football was an ugly uh, spectator sport. Yeah, uh, well, I think Britain was an ugly place, certainly oh, in the 80s and the, and the early 90s ugly. as well. Yeah. It was. And, you know, it, as, 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 as football often does, it kind of reflected a new kind of era in society. And that Liverpool side, along with probably Newcastle and Manchester United, were everything the Premier League dreamed of uh, whenever you know the money money boys got their hands on it because they were just the ultimate advertising tool this side you know they were they were young they were energetic they had some legends in the team they had the history they had the tradition and then all of a sudden they had this like innovative attacking football um that was a mixture of local boys and, and big name signings and you know established legends and you know, the, and ultimately got called the Spice Boys. Ultimately, they did, <laughs> but you know, again, I think that's that was more a product of football moving from from the back pages to the front pages, sort of thing with with the the Beckham era. And you know, in any I, I think Dave, in any scenario, Dave, there has to be a hero and there has to be a villain, and it seemed to be painted as though, in my eyes, certainly, you know, those Manchester United boys, the Beckhams and the Gigs and the Butts and the Nevilles and the Lee Sharps, they were. You know, they were the poster boys, and then what you had was the, you know, the the antithesis of that, with the the Fowlers and the McAteers and the David James and the McManamans. So, you know, I that think, that was. I think what we saw individual players being singled out for 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 tagging, you know, of, of different names. I think the Spice Boys was the first time we actually saw a collective of a team being singled out to be to be labelled as something as well. You know yeah. where it's from though. I mean, I'm just looking at it because I thought it would. It must be the suits, isn't it? It's purely made by the media. It's a Daily Mail headline. Well, that's what I mean. That, that's the no, no, that's the, the, I mean. the suits were the final nail in the coffin of it. It was, it was building. It was, it was a tag that was building and building and building. And when the white suits came along, the press were just like, "Well, we've been telling you, there it is, the Spice Boys." Yeah, but I mean, it's it's typical British media bullshit, like. You know, it's it, and of course that's what gets remembered because it's a it's a headline and you know I remembered everyone remembers it, but it was just a, it's a throw it's it's a it's a phrase that they used on the on the front page simply to refer to uh, a potential well, there were rumours that Robbie Fowler was dating Baby Spice, so with um so they went with with Spice Boys but then it basically got used it became a catch all term for any sort of um, undesirable uh behavior by any footballer you know from drinking too much to speeding to whatever it was i look at these rich it's basically it's 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 old money thumbing its nose at new money is is essentially what it is like the daily mail saying look at these jobs basically their word, not mine. But look at these jobs with too much money and no class. Yeah, just, just, a, just a decade ago, these, these were, in our opinion, the scum of the earth, and exactly. now look at them. You know, and that's that. That's sort of what it felt like. Yeah. Well, on. essentially, what happened was these these boys were nice. You know, completely contrary to the way things were even five years beforehand. These boys were celebrities, and footballers were starting to become celebrities, and. 
they were exploited the same way every celebrity is exploited for the sake of selling newspapers. Absolutely right. Absolutely. And and not a not really giving a, a fuck about the truth, just something to, to sell papers and to, you know, to for people to jump on board. I mean we still have it today. I mean it's, it's you know, you can think of it. I mean Brexit, the very fact that it's called the Britain leaving the European Union is called Brexit. It's purely a media fucking concoction, you know, and we'll always have it. Unfortunately, that's 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 the business, I suppose. But uh, but yeah, the tag did sort of end up sticking with 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 Liverpool, which was a little bit unfair because, as was alluded to, they did slightly underachieve, but they had a lot of fun doing it and played some great football and, you know, kept us happy. Um, and these days, I think people are much more, all of us are, it's just the, the way the world is, we're much more focused on on results and, well, did you win? Well, sure, what's the point then if you didn't win? You know, that, that kind of way, we're much, we're much yeah, less... The journey, the journey seems irrelevant, Neil. Exactly, whereas in those days, it, it was a big, you know, it was good enough to go on that, to, to go on those journeys. Obviously, you wanted maybe a bit more success, but you, it never, you were never in any way vitriolic towards the manager or you know annoyed that he'd done this or that or that that hadn't happened you know you genuinely saw all the players and the staff giving everything and 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 trying their hardest and producing some some great moments and ultimately it wasn't quite enough but um I think that Liverpool team was was very unlucky that it did come up against that particular Man United generation yeah absolutely well here we'll start off um, in his first season, 94-95. Johnny, I'll come to you first. Um, you know, and, and he took over. And I think he brings in John Scales and Phil Babb, uh, two players that I, I, I used to like Phil Babb, but I never would have said, well, he's a real top centre-back. You know what I mean? And the same with Scales, really. Um, to me, Mark Wright was the closest we had at that stage, probably two. Uh, you know, what had gone before? We had Laro and Hansen. Jesus Christ. You know, <laughs> uh, a, a super <laughs> pairing. Um, and and, yeah. and I think for for me, I'm always looking at that. And at that at that particular stage in, in the 90s, I look at that and well, they're not. It's not Hanson and Laro, you know what I mean? It's not not, not It's not like what they went before. And look, Phil Babb was a great player, but I, I I never considered him, you know, a top top centre back. And and I didn't know very much about him. Um, it wasn't as I say, we've alluded <laughs> to the, the internet not being as as strong as it is today. So you know, he he came on a blank slate as far as I was concerned. A decent player, but never really. Never really, we would have said top top man, but there was a there was a supplement still in that side of your John Barneses and Ian Rushes. They were still there from those glory days. He had a good base to begin with. I think I think Neil had covered that as well. But he did have a good start. And you know, we got the fourth that season. And for a new manager taking over after the disarray of Sunis, maybe it, it was it was a fair result. I think that first season under Evans was was really good. Uh, I mean, I remember the the won the league cup, or it was the Coca Cola Cup, or I think it was the Coca Cola Cup back then, whatever it was called, at I the would. end of it, which was you got a got a bit of silverware, but yeah, it was to me that was a really enjoyable season, um, and it, and it was quite radical what he'd done because I could never remember a Liverpool team playing consistently with a back three. I think towards the end, Kenny tried it a couple of times, but it didn't really. He experimented a bit with it, but, you know, Evans went out and he spent big, big money on scales, big, big money on Phil Babb. I mean, Babb is, is one I can sort of talk about and very, very clear memories of, because obviously being from Donegal, being from the Republic of Ireland, um, 
you know, I was following the World Cup in 94 when um, the Republic qualified. They were the only sort of uh, home nation, as they like to call them, that, that actually qualified for that World Cup. So everybody was watching it. And um, Phil Babb's career literally was launched by Paul McGrath because he, he was doing decent at Coventry and then he played in that World Cup and Ireland beat Italy in the first game. Italy had a really good team. If you look through that team, it was incredible. You know, they had Baresi's and Maldini's and Baggio's and, <laughs> and Ireland beat them and Italy went the whole way to the final. So they weren't a bad side. But, you know, the memories of that game was how immaculate Paul McGrath was. He, he marked Baggio. He absolutely pocketed Baggio. But the problem was that he was so, so sublime. I think he raised Phil Babb a bit like when you watch a player playing beside Van Dyke nowadays, it, it, it automatically makes anyone who's playing there look look better when, when he's there. Um, so he, to be honest, he broke the British transfer record for a defender then, which was a bit mad, and he never lived up to it. I mean, he he, he played in a back four Coventry. He came played the left side of the uh, – he made a lot of errors. He wasn't that good on the ball. John Scales was a really good player. And and you know what that Evan said himself, you know, he wanted to give the team that platform. He wanted to go with the three at the back. I think at that time Ajax were playing with three at the back, and Ajax were one of the best club sides I'd seen in that era. You know, they they had Danny Blind and the De Boers and Reitziger and those guys, and they they had a brilliant system. And we tried to replicate it. And in fairness, it did allow us to put extra bodies in midfield and wing backs and. You know, he evolved the style but, but of the team. Do you not feel, Johnny, that during that time maybe that you know the, the you know we'd always had from Sunus to, to to McMahon, you know we'd always had that enforcer in the midfield. During this time, it didn't feel like there was the enforcer in the midfield anymore. No, no, you're totally right, and that that I think that was always it's a recurring theme we'll come to throughout these seasons. Like that season, Fowler really emerged. Some of the football was amazing. I remember a game. You know, towards the end of that season, obviously, I think Blackburn won the league. But I remember we beat United. I think it was around March time. I remember Redknapp scoring a rocket. And I remember, you know, we were just really, really coming together. Fowler was was firing. But, you know, Evans tried to remedy that years later when he bought Ince. But I actually think, especially when you look at the 95-96 season. I don't want to jump. To you. I know we jump around here naturally when you're talking about these, but I think one of the biggest errors that Roy Evans made is something that goes a bit under the radar. Um, he, he really was a big fan of Redknapp, and he used to play that you know that midfield three of of Barnes and Redknapp with with McManaman uh, playing you know in the hole as, they, as with a sort of free role. And I remember. Um, in 95, 96 in particular, I remember Radnap got injured and Michael Thomas came in. And Michael Thomas was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and we were flying. We were really consistent. He had a bit more edge in him in midfield. But I remember then when Radnap came back from his injury, uh, I think it was a cup semi-final against Villa at Old Trafford. He brought him straight back in. And I remember then that we just lacked that bite in the midfield, I just think Redknapp wasn't just Thomas had a load of experience obviously at Arsenal, and I think that was one of the errors that 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 Evans made. Um, but I think you could, you know, there's loads of things you could talk about in them seasons, Dave. But lack of bite and just just being ruthless enough to get the job done, something that United had in spades at that time, and unfortunately 
we didn't. But 94-95 was a great season. Emergence of Fowler, McManaman really starting to show what he could do um, and, and played some really, really good football as well. No, I, I hear you. You know, and you talk about mistakes. I, I always I always think Paul Ince was a mistake whenever he did buy him to go back to the, the you know, the enforcer in midfield, the governor, as he was called. Never for us. Um, Dave, yourself, what were what your recollections, 94, 95? It was... This was when... I suppose this was when you were kind of reinvigorated by watching the team play because, you know, the years that preceded it were turgid. And then all of a sudden we had this 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 back three that nobody had really ever seen before because you didn't really see... Like you saw... Johnny's absolutely right. Um, but you saw Ajax play in the European Cup and that was it. You didn't, you didn't really... You had Football Italia, but that was it. You would... God forbid you would see a game of Spanish football on the TV. It just wouldn't happen. But, but so, to be fair, Dave, it was only 12 months away from, from England's Euro 96 with, with the three at the back and the, win, the wing backs under Terry Venables. It was, it was a bit like the 4-3-3 today, going away from the 4-4-2 to the 4-3-3. It felt a bit like that. It, it was a little bit. And then, you know, I, I remember at periods, you know, um, even Wenger was playing it at Arsenal. He switched to it for a while. Um but it, it was exciting. And then, you know, McManaman and Fowler, you know, were, were just brilliant. Barnes, Barnes was still, Barnes was still a supreme footballer, you know. The legs were in. starting to go a wee bit. He dropped back a wee bit, but his range of passing and his ability and his brain always set him apart, Dave. Yeah, I think it's so underrated that Barnes was able to make that transition from a flying winger that would slalom past players and, you know, deliver from the byline to this holding, controlling, almost Jan Mulby sort of figure in the middle of the park with fucking bags of skill, a gorgeous touch. And, you know, Chiefs, right, it was, we played a lot of one-touch football. This team, absolutely brilliant. And Barnes was at the centre of it all. He really did conduct things from back there. Um, and again, I think, helped Redknapp along um, from that perspective, having him play beside him, the same way Johnny was talking about about the centre half. The thing I remember about this season, I think, the ba- <clears throat> I forgot Mark Wright was even playing for the club when I was looking at this earlier on, because I always remember the consistent back three being, you know, Scales, Bob and Ruddock. It was always Scales, Bob and Ruddock. And then, you know, you'd Rob Jones, and it was kind of a little bit here between, you know, Mario or Harkness and then McAteer, Bjornby, etc. But Ian Roddick played a lot of football at this time, much more than I remembered him playing under Evans. Um, and unfortunately, you know, this again became a theme. The centre half issue sort of. Evans went through a load of centre halves, but none of them were ever near the kind of level that you had at Arsenal with Bold and Adams and Keown or, you know, Pallister or Bruce or, or Ronnie Johnson even, or, you know, even Colin Hendry, you know, at Blackburn. And that was something that we never quite fixed either. But, you know, this, this really was the start of it all. And there was an emergence in this young Liverpool side that made them sort of favourites for the next year and, and then you know we go out and and we do business in the transfer market and that then brings in probably one of the most exciting Liverpool teams 
that there's ever been then. And it only takes him a year to get there from where we were under Sunes. And I think that's fucking, you know, incredible what he did there. No, I think it's seismic. Absolutely, it is. And they, you know, like don't don't forget, like he picks up a trophy in 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 the Formula League Cup at that stage. I think it was the Littlewoods, if I if I'm if I'm correct, or was it Coca Cola at that stage? Um, you know, which you know, it was mid season League Cup, and we 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 already bagged a trophy. So you know, he 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 had bought himself time anyhow. Um, he was doing well, but with the trophy, you know, we exist to win trophies. And he and he did that in his first season, but um, you know Dave alludes to it there. Maybe we didn't have, you know, he Dave mentions Colin Henry, mentions Pallister. You know what I mean? Um, world class um, centre backs are uh, top level centre backs. We had good centre backs, and and you know we we've come just come off a period like that, and we we now have Van Dijk who. And then the other thing is McGrath made everybody look better than what they were. We have someone to do that. I don't think at that stage when we, we had the three, we had real out. Mark Wright would have probably been my outstanding one at the time. But how much do you feel that, that plays into to, to maybe just the, the final ingredient not being there to, to kicking on to actually winning the league? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's like anything, really, isn't it? Well, but particularly, um, I mean, when, when you base your kind of game around... A particular style that, that uh, focuses on one position, then that's always going to be your area that you need to get absolutely right. And obviously, if you play three at the back, then centre backs are the big position that you you need to get right. And unfortunately, we had, as you say, good quality, but not not top quality perhaps at that time, and more quantity than quality in the end perhaps. Um, you know, they are all very good centre halves. Even Ruddock, you know, he was good. Um, so you got Ruddock, you got Scales, you got Bab there, you got Mark Wright as you mentioned, but he's he still plays as as Dave says under under Evans, but he's 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 more soon as his man, isn't he? Um, so he's he's he you know he's still at the club now, he's still part of the club, still plays with the legends and does podcasts and and whatever. So he he said in an interview that I saw on the season review thing as well that you know Liverpool is the place for you to play football, and he he would never want to leave it. Uh, and he works. He actually way. does forces. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. He forces his way back into into the side, and you know, fair play to him. He's, he's a, he seems like an absolutely top top lad as well. And I, I actually met him in the Liverpool store um, in the centre of Liverpool in the, in the square beside the, the 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 big what you call the big wheel. A really really nice guy. Chat away to you, him and his him and his daughter, and really 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 nice guy. He he's, he has always come across like that. In a way, he's he's a one for me that's a bit odd because you would never really, if you thought even at the time, you would never really associate Mark Wright with with playing for Liverpool. It's Mark Wright in the Liverpool way. It's not not quite um, doesn't quite fit, but he was a very good player for us. Um, but I think I think you're right in the sense that you you mentioned Pallister there, you mentioned Colin Henry, you mentioned Van Dyke now, and you know there's maybe Rio Ferdinand for a while as well, and and John Terry for a little while as well. There are Steve Bruce, like, come on, Neil. <laughs> exactly, Steve Bruce, ugly lad though he is. Um, you know, there are good centre halves, and then, then there's the top of the range, and and the difference there is is, is pretty stark, you know. And I think it it, it comes down to you. You asked me more about um, the final ingredient. I would I would go with the goalkeeper in there is a massive one as well, Neil. To be fair, and I, I, I omitted that the goalkeeper. 
Whenever well, you... James, yeah, he's. I mean, he gets. He's, he's another one. He gets his calamity, James. Tag, and I he's remember. A, he's an enigma. He's an enigma. He's a paradox. He can be brilliant one week and complete calamity the next. Absolutely, and he could be so good and so bad. It's, it's not quite. It's not quite believable. But um, I remember even at the time just being a bit gutted about David James the whole way through because. He seemed to he seemed to eradicate the mistakes more as he got older and went through his career. But while he was with us, because he was so young, he, he could be absolutely fabulous, but he could be so infuriating because he could just throw one into the net in the last minute and undo all your good work. Um, having said that, I think the missing ingredient was something Dave mentioned earlier. It's just just ruthlessness, just that killer instinct wasn't quite there. We were. We were all good lads and we were maybe all a bit too nice perhaps and, and having too much fun and trying to be a little bit, you know, a little bit too fair, a little bit just playing the game in the, in the, in the general spirit rather than being focused on on winning and getting getting winning the league and getting the points and making sure you got the points. And, and that was the difference between us and United at the time. And I think that's maybe even where the Spice Boys tag sort of comes from a little bit as well was... Yeah, we, we we were great to watch and easy on the eye and all that, but we didn't have that killer instinct that they did. And because they did, and it was so easy to compare, you know, the rivalry anyway, the two biggest teams in the country, two young teams, two most successful teams, and, you know, they're they're in the same competition. One, would one would you factor in the personality of managers in there anywhere, Neil? Because, you know, you had Ferguson who was ruthless and remorseless. Well, and then, as I, as I alluded to, you had the real nice guy in Liverpool. Well, that's it. I mean, I wouldn't apportion any blame at all because, you know, that's just their, their personalities. But, you know, it's often said that teams are sort of the, the mirror image of their manage, manager. The, you know, they're, they're the, the, the embodiment of their manager's personality on the pitch, that kind of way. And, and in, this, in this instance, it would seem logical. It would seem, it would seem to fit. We, we had a team um, who were, like I said, Really having fun, really playing good football, but more focused on, I think, on on playing well and playing good stuff and so on than than actually a hundred percent on winning. Whereas I think Alex Ferguson was was always about the winning, and you know, it, so it proved. Um, so final ingredient, I think, was was just that that lack of ruthlessness. No, oh, absolutely. Well, listen, Dave, we're going to wind forward down a season, um, and, and you know. Well, the season starts off with a very interesting signing um, in the form of Stan Collymore. Don't know your own opinions on him. Like he was a he was a very good footballer. Don't get me wrong, but he's a bit of a fucking ball bag, if we're honest. Um, never felt he was a Liverpool player through and through. Never, ever, ever, ever. He was. Don't get me wrong. Some really good games for us. Um, it's a case I think of, of of what could have been for him, and and it never really materialised. Well, you know, it is sort of the headline going into this season. Well, first and foremost, Collymore's a British record transfer fee. And he didn't have That's million. I mean, a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot of time. money. And he comes in and he starts relatively well. He gets a couple of goals, two, two long-distance strikes at Anfield. And then I think he goes about two or three months without scoring a goal. And he does. He does. Yeah, he go and, and people are a little bit, you know, well, that's unsure. never a good thing at Liverpool, Dave. Ever. No, ever. It's I mean, not. Probably not at any club, but particularly not Liverpool. But then he just absolutely finds his form. 
and he's banging them in. And his relationship with Fowler develops over the season. And his and Fowler's relationship is unbelievable. It's, it's you know, you talk about Liverpool's strike partnerships over the years. This probably isn't mentioned as much because it was really only one season. But those two together, especially, you know, the, the probably from like a November, maybe December onwards, for probably three, four months, were just absolutely unbelievable, unplayable. And he scores some Corgan goals as well. They're not they're special goals. goals. Yeah, 55 yeah. goals between them. Absolutely. They, he was genuinely two-footed, genuinely two-footed footballer. He was powerful. He was athletic. He was agile. He, Stan Collymore could have been anything. Anything but at why, all, but, but, I think. But then why do I not feel he was ever a Liverpool player? Dude? Well, uh, you know, it, this is this is the mentality thing, and I think we we I think it's been well documented. You know, Collie Moore's you know issues with his 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 um his mental state and that sort of thing. With, but with himself, like, in other words. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But like I was I was watching some of this stuff on two occasions. Which, do you remember Trent got three assists? At the at the start of the uh, uh, what was it like Christmas time yeah. against Leicester, Collymore does that twice this season, and in one of the games he scores as well. He puts on a hat trick of assists for a Fowler hat trick in one game. You know he used to float at the left. His delivery from wide areas was absolutely incredible. He could score every type of goal, and you know you, you need not really look any further than you know the the Newcastle four three game. Um, to see how, how those two played that off was a one special, another. Special goal he scored, like to be fair. Yeah, you know, and that's his that's his weak foot from and from a really narrow angle and he has to hit the near post so hard and he absolutely leathers it. Sort of check I think it is, there's no chance at all, it just flies past him. And you know, that's a high pressure game, last minute, top end, um, to keep us in with a shout of winning the league, and he fucking rams it home. Um and one of the all time great Moments in in Liverpool in Liverpool folklore certainly in the Premier League, um one of the greatest greatest ever Premier League games. So Collymore that season, un, unbelievable. Um, looked like looked like every penny the eight and a half million pounds was paid for him was worth it. Um and with you know the the gelling of the rest of the, the gelling of the rest of the side and kind of the, the continued emergence and maturing of McManaman as a footballer, this season was punctuated by some unbelievable performances and like Collymore was Collymore as I say Collymore one of the most frustrating players ever Dave because he could have been anything he wanted he had all and I mean all the ability in the world. And he was probably, in my opinion, like one of the first real modern day footballers as forwards. Before that, you kind of had the forwards, like the, the quick, the John Spencers and the Mark Steens. You know, you'd maybe have the, the quick, the quick, speedy forwards, maybe like the Ian Wright sort of trickery and that sort of thing. Or you'd like have the Alan Smiths, you know, the Ian Rushes with pace, the Alan Smiths who, you know, nodded down at the back post. But you never really had a centre forward like this. <laughs> A certain Sears, not even, you know, but I would almost liken him a little bit to Ronaldo, like the original Brazilian Ronaldo, because he had that power and pace. Steady on. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm talking like, I'm talking as the physical sort of specimen that he was more than a footballer, but he was Fair that enough. power and pace and had unbelievable ability. And unfortunately for him, and unfortunately for Liverpool, 
you know, after that that first season, it just really didn't seem to work for him, and you know, he refused to move down from from Birmingham. He was travelling back and forward from Birmingham, and he he had issues in his personal life as well. And um, apparently, you know, he he seemed to just be toxic around around the group, and and you know, only a season later he started to get phased out. But and you know, if we just want to talk about this season because it was so much fun, he was he was incredible. Yeah, it's a big shame, really. It's one of the one of the big sort of w- what might have been if if Stan Collymore had been able to keep his head together um, for longer than he did. Because I mean, that season we mentioned they scored fifty five between them. Liverpool scored the most goals out of anyone in the in all competitions that year. I think we get ninety eight. Um, we are we're they're the hottest part strike partnership in the in the in the, in the league. And it looked like a masterstroke of a signing. It looked like one of those, fuck me, we've actually we've done this. You know, we've got a player here that looked like he was going to make the step, and he has made the step, and this is class. But of course, he um, he had his mental issues, whatever they were, or his issues, and you know, it's quite clear that he he noticeably begins to get phased out the next season, and uh, and then he he doesn't last much longer. Um, I think you're right. Like he's he's the first. The first striker that I ever saw that you could really, you could say he could lead the line on his own, basically, like run the line on his own. Bit of a Drogba type in that way. You know, Ronaldo is a good comparison as well. Just had all the, had everything, pace, strength, touch, could shoot from distance, was good in the air. He, he, he had literally everything. Um, and he had that kind of knack as well for a time that everything he hit was flying in. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't last, unfortunately, and and yeah, he he kind of went went off the boil and and was phased out and and you know moved on. Um, but it is it's it's a it's a sad one. It's a, it's a what what might have been moment, and um, I think it's it's kind of a bit of a, a bit of a bitter pill for for Roy Evans to swallow because you've heard him, I've heard him interviewed about Stan Collymore and stuff before, and he's. He's definitely a little a little rueful about that one, like just w- what could have been. No, indeed. Well, Johnny, you know, we we reached the FA Cup final as well this season, um, and we lose. And, and my recollection of that final, well, we were very unlucky to lose it. It was Cantona as usual, um, or you know that that arrogant prick. That's the best way to describe mm. him. Uh, <laughs> I like him as a non-footballer, but at that time, I had no time, no, no, no time for the man whatsoever, that upturned collar. Uh, but, you know, like, so we're going places, we improve from fourth to third. You know, there's 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 a progression there. We, we've moved up one place in the league, albeit with it. With but at a time we could, yeah, a time that season, we could genuinely have won the league. <laughs> it's your name, fucking John. <laughs> Shut up. Well, don't, don't, I'm, just, I'm just saying, don't... don't uh, there's a there's a there is a league there's a league title challenge to to discuss there. I know absolutely mm. there is, but I'm 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 factoring in uh, uh, as part of the season that 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 we get there um, by way of of an FA Cup final, and that shows that not just was we were we going well in the league, but also we were performing in cup competitions on two fronts. It shows that that as a team we seem to be functioning pretty damn well, John. That season for me was that. That was such an up and down season. I mean, and I think in the years when you were really starting to get into football, there was highs and lows that season. First thing is about Collymore. I mean, I would echo everything Dave said um, about about Collymore. I mean, 
Collymore was an incredible footballer. He was an incredible footballer. He was probably one of the most, he's genuinely one of the most talented um, British footballers I've ever seen. He, he was he was an unbelievable talent. Um, and that season, and what Dave says was absolutely right. I mean, yeah, he was good for a goal. He was two-footed. He could score every type of goal. But I think a real feature of that season was when he would just drop out to the left-hand side and he would just swing the left foot. And, oh, he, he could cross a ball like John Barnes in his, in his pump. And I remember the amount of goals he put on a plate for Fowler that season was just incredible. But um, and he was just it, w- it was mental it was mental issues you know he had his problems as it all emerged with you know with with alcohol with depression he was traveling from the Midlands every day and I think gradually over time you know he was starting to be late for training I think Ronnie Moran even gave him a nickname of Fog in the Tunnel because every time he was coming in he he would go what's what's kept you today and he'd go Fog in the Tunnel I was reading that one of the Simon News books so. But he was a massive talent, and I think, you know, there was there, there was a title in that team, but they didn't have the ruthlessness to finish it off. And what I would say, if you ever get the chance, the greatest performance of the Roy Evans era was that season, um, and it was United won the double that season. So you you know you got to take your hat off to them. They won a horrible cup final. Um, they won the double. Um, see, you can't knock that. They won the double. I think it was their second double under Ferguson. Came two years after their first one in '94. But if you ever ever get a chance to see that game again, um, there was a game at Anfield around Christmas. I think it was early December, maybe. Um, where Liverpool played United that season, and Liverpool were flying. Collymore was flying. Fowler, McManaman. And it is the most one-sided demolition you'll ever see. And, and bear in mind, this is a United team that won the double and we're going to go on and dominate, you know, football. Liverpool beat them 2-0. It genuinely should have been 5-6-7. They absolutely murdered them from the first minute to the last. It was the most complete performance and the football was unbelievable. I remember Collymore rattling the bar. I remember the chances and Schmeichel doing as usual, just saving the... the they were we were such a good side and I just unfortunately when it got to the business end of it in April, um we had that big win over Newcastle that you know Dave mentioned the Collymore goal, but we just at crucial times, like there was a game against Coventry, we really we struggled in the Derby under so Evans and then you ever do you ever feel, right? You know, you talk about we hit April in this season and everything goes wrong and everything had been going so right. Do you think when you when you bring in the Spice Boys tag and all the different bits and pieces together, do, do, how much of a contributory factor do you think that that was that that team beat itself rather than being beaten? Do you know what I I've actually read a lot about that era. Um, you know, there is a there's a couple of really great books, but there's a great book by Simon Hughes um, called the the Men in White Suits, and it's a really good book and. You know, you, you do think back in that era and you look at United and you look at us and the cream suits and we played United off the pitch twice that season. We murdered them at Old Trafford. We drew two each. They got a dodgy penalty at the end. Canton has come back. Canton was nowhere to be seen that day. Um, 
Fowler was absolutely sublime. Fowler scored two of the best oh, finishes. Fowler two goals on Ridiculous finishes. One of them left foot beat Schmeichel at his near post. And you wouldn't even say Schmeichel was at fault, even though it beat him at his near post. He no. hit it that hard. And then there was one where he just gives Neville a, Neville a little nudge and he just dinks it with his right foot. I mean, this is Schmeichel. He was a legend for one-on-one difficult to beat. It was a bit like Firmino's goal against uh, Man City a couple of years back when Firmino just nudged stones out of the way and just dinked it. Um, so we were. We, everybody we were like, always talks about that one, Johnny, but I always thought the first one was better. It like oh, swerve. Uh, it like swerves away from from Schmeichel and completely wrong foot him. And it's, oh, it's it was smashed. Oh, it was it was an, an incredible goal, and 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 that you know that team, they look back on that era, and as Fowler says, you know, Man United were <laughs> United were going out at, at that time. There wasn't the influx of foreign footballers that sort of curtailed the drinking culture. You know, Roy Keane, Man United in <laughs> those days, Brian Giggs, th- those guys partied. And as Fowler, you know, there was a really good chat with Fowler and that, and Fowler just said, look, Man United, we're going out drinking as well at the weekends. You know, that wasn't the thing. It wasn't like we were the party boys. You know, yeah, we did have nights out and all goes, but we trained hard. And I-, I don't think it was a lack of professionalism. I just genuinely think... Probably from a leadership perspective in the dressing room, if you look at, you know, look at the team we have now that are barring some, <laughs> barring this global pandemic, <laughs> going to win the league by, by, by a stroll. But you you just look at the team, that team, and I just think, I just sit and think, imagine that team had a, had a, a Van Dyke and an Allison in goals. <laughs> what would they have done? You know, they were, you know, that, that, that would, that's what was lacking. The goalkeeper was always a little bit flaky. The centre backs you could never really rely on. There was just that mentality. Someone said, I think when you were watching that cup final at Wembley, Liverpool didn't show up. It was a horrible game. United were marginally better, but they weren't great. They'd learned their lesson. Marginally, the John, slightly mar- it's so marginal because I, yeah. my recollection of that game was we were in that game. It wasn't a great game, as you say, but you know we were unlucky not to win it. I don't think so, Dave. No, my recollection of that is I don't think we were unlucky not to win it. I think it was a stodgy enough old goal they got at the end. But really, we didn't. You know, they'd learned their lessons from the league games. And Roy Keane did a real good job on on McManaman because McManaman had caused havoc against them in the two league games. And I think Ferguson had identified that. And, you know, Keane really sat back and really picked up McManaman's runs. And they, they, but the thing was that if you look at our team now, the, the, you know, you look at this Liverpool team, you always feel we'll get a little, you always feel we'll keep going. And that's exactly what United were. And then the last four minutes of that cup final, when they got the goal, you know, there was always that nagging feeling that when it came to a scrappy game, you know, they would pinch the goal. They got a corner and they did. And David James fucked up. <laughs> and that was that. Yeah. But yeah. we were just a little bit short, just a little bit short, you know. And that's that. I mean, that's it. I think you're right on that. I don't think we did enough in that final to win. I don't think anyone really deserved to win that final. Um, but it was. It, it's sort of coming back to what we were talking about before, and in a in a in a scrappy game where neither team played at their full to their full potential, and the you know the defenses were on top. Whatever United had that ruthless enough streak to make sure they got the goal. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't. Uh, it's just one of them. And when you look back at that season in general, I mean, there it, it's November. It's November that costs us. 
we we uh, mentioned this pre-pod. We go to Newcastle, who are league leaders at the time, and obviously it's Kevin Keegan's Newcastle. It's the um, it's the year where they're 15 points clear at Christmas and famously get get pulled back by United right at the death. But we go to St James's Park in November, start of November, um, having only lost two games in the league up to that point, and we outplay them and we should win the game comfortably and we end up going down 2-1 with a, a really late goal a David James fumble that's a uh, becoming a well it, it was a regular feature wasn't it we've mentioned it a minute ago with a David James fumble and um, they score Dave Watson was it Dave Watson or your man anyway the ginger boy Steve Steve Watson was it played for Newcastle yeah Steve, Steve Watson. Watson Dave uh, Watson played for Man, our man City yeah Steve, Steve Watson he um he scores uh, a last minute winner for Newcastle and we go on to to um we lose I think we lose or we lose we don't win for another four we lose the next one at home to Everton then we draw away at West Ham we lose away at Middlesbrough and we draw at home to Southampton the whole month of November we go without a win and uh, then following that we go on a twenty game unbeaten run in all comps and only lose two more league games in the rest of the season. So the damage is actually done in November of that year. It's, it's not really a case of where, I mean, I think in future seasons we'll maybe tail off towards the end, but you know, the run-in wasn't that bad here. Um, we have the obligatory losses at Forest and Coventry, who were always bogey teams for us. Um, but other than that, we didn't lose a game from, from the 2nd of December onwards. So it was that, it was just that November that, um, that derailed us really. We couldn't get back on the horse after the disappointment against Newcastle. And I think that was a big game in the season because as I mentioned pre-pod when I was watching some of the, doing some of the research for this, that game gets referenced by Evans, it gets referenced by Collymore, it gets referenced by Rush um, as to, um, as to why things haven't been going so well and, uh, and, and what went wrong kind of thing. And uh, I think that was a big psychological blow losing that game at Newcastle. Moving forward then um, in, into the next season, which is 96-97. Uh, and Johnny, I'll start with you on this one again. Um, we, you know, we, we see Evans bring in Patrick Berger, um, who <coughs> I, I loved as a player. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed his time at Liverpool. But I think most importantly, we see the emergence of, of a young man called Michael Owen, who's still the fastest thing I ever saw on a football field to this day. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and and what an introduction he he had, and you know, given the fact of what happened, it's, it's amazing that we have this coming through the academy, and there's also uh, there's just, there's also a young Gerard coming 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 very close behind this as well, you know. So this is this is, this is a good time, and again, I think we go into to that season as highly fancied after what we did the previous season because we we gave it a right old lash, we fell short in April, a uh, bit of a Spursy moment. But, you know, we, I think we we're highly fancy. We were back in Europe again, the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, things looked rosy. Yeah, my memories of that season were, again, it just, you know, Berger was a really exciting signing. Um, and I think after the previous season, you know, I think there was a lot of anticipation because, yeah, I think everyone was really gutted after the Cup Final, you know, after losing to... Oh, the green kits as well were this season, if I'm not if I'm not incorrect. Do you remember the, the, the green away kit? I right. fucking awesome. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, that that season was one where... The green and white quartered kit was the year before. That was... 
That was oh, Friday's yeah, yeah. two. That was oh, Friday's no, no, two no, no, goals. No, 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 not the quarter one. I'm talking about the full green one with the black and white uh, stripe on it. A, a, a real lovely kit, like. Yeah, this was the full green away. I'm sure. Yeah, it definitely it was because I always when I see that kit, I always think Patrick Berger. I don't know why, but I always do because he scored some belter of a goal, I think, on it. I, I always think of that season as you know, ninety five, ninety six. People look at it and go, you know. We could have won the league. You looked at United that had won the double, and you looked at how how and again I can't stress this enough. If you ever get the chance to watch that game, the dismantling that Liverpool did on on United that day. They, we the team were good enough, um, but but they just fell short. And I think ninety six ninety seven was even worse because there was we, we brought Berger in. There was a bit of a playing about with the style, you know, where he was he was playing Berger and McManaman behind the striker, where he was trying things a bit, a, bit, a bit different. Berger had a real purple patch in the autumn. I remember there was a game, I think it was Leicester, away at Filbert Street, and him, Fowler, um, they ripped, ripped them to pieces, and, you know, Fowler was still, Fowler was still lethal, and I mean, they weren't as good as the season before, but I think, um, him and I think him and Collymore got they got over forty they definitely got over forty maybe forty five goals that season. Um, you know they were they were absolutely flying um, goal goal wise. Um, and then I think the turn of the year we were I, I think John Barnes scored a mad goal at Southampton. Keeper sort of messed up his kick and it came to Barnes and he rolled it in from about forty or fifty yards and. The, the, you know, we were five points clear. Um, and, and there were some games that season, again, where there were flickers. Like, there was a game, I remember, against Chelsea, where they absolutely murdered Chelsea 5-1. I think Berger got a couple of goals um, there. But, you know, it was just looking like, we you know, things could happen. We, there, we there's again a theme had... developing, John, of not being able to close the deal. Yeah, there was two themes. There was a theme of not being able to close the deal, but there was also a theme, theme as Chief alluded to, of no, November. We used to always talk about Black November. I think, you know, that November, that season again, I think they only won one game in November. Um, and then, in, you know, in December, they were starting to get back into, back into form. Um, went on a really good run, but... It was just that team. They didn't have that consistency. I remember that was the season two in the FA Cup. I think they were 2 0 up at Chelsea. They ended up totally capitulating uh, and losing 4 2. So, you know, you just didn't really know what you were getting with them. But I think nothing sort of sums up that season, you know, the highs and lows of that season. There was another 4 3 with Newcastle in it. You know, there was a, the one at Arsenal that season. But I think what summed up and really sort of summed up the Evans era was. The back end of that season in April, um, United were playing Derby on the Saturday at Old Trafford and they lost. Um, and it was such a big shock that they'd lost at home. And Liverpool were going out on the Sunday. And I always remember because I, I had, a, had a game myself and I was playing that Sunday. And I remember we got back in the car and our game started at two. And I think the, the, the game had started at three. And I remember they put on Radio, radio 5 in the car and we were beat. Coventry were bottom of the league, absolute rock bottom, 20th, and they beat us 2-1 at Anfield. And that was for Liverpool to win and go top of the league with six games to go. And after that, you know, then 
Liverpool never really recovered. You know, they played United then, and United sort of saved it. A couple of weeks later, they, they stuffed us 3 1, I think, again. I think David James had an absolute nightmare. So there was just that thing, Dave, of there was a soft centre there. They just couldn't. When it came to the crunch in the games against United, whether it was lapses in concentration or just silly goals, um, they just fell short. And that was, to me, that was an even bigger opportunity missed than the season before, you know, because they were right in it and frustrating again, just frustrating. There's a thread there as well, like you mentioned, um, about the, the commentary result. One thing about this team, this Evans era team, is that it, it it had its bogey teams and it couldn't, for the love, for love no money, couldn't right the wrongs of those. It it always, yeah, for example, right. Coventry, they always lost the commentary. You know, Everton the, as well, Chief. Everton had a real hex on us at that time. I mean, absolutely, we we would be destroying everybody, but we couldn't beat Everton for love no money. Yeah, they we, would show up at Anfield, get a draw. It was just. Yeah, two draws this season, and I think 95, 96 was the last time Everton actually won at Anfield. So there was that. Um, so we always and we, we were always lo- losing against Wimbledon, always losing against Coventry, and we had an issue with Sheffield Wednesday as well, various points. Um, but we couldn't, we could, we you know, you look, you look at that season there you're talking about, 95, 90, or 96, 97, and you know, you're coming there to the end of the season and you're in, like you say, the game against Coventry. If we win that, we go top with six games to go. We've still got United to play. Of course, we don't win that. We'll lose it 2-1. Then we go and we beat Sunderland. Then we've got Everton away. We draw that one each. We then get beaten at home by Man United, which sort of seals the league a little bit. And then our final two games are Wimbledon and Sheffield Wednesday away. and We, we take one point from the last six. And they're just games where, as a Liverpool fan at that time, you'd be looking at that, and and the pundits would be going, "Ah, Liverpool look look good here, you know, um, you know, on paper these games aren't too tough." And then we, we've gone and, and thrown in what we always do against them. We, we just didn't have the the mental strength in it to to overcome these sort of fake hexes, if you know what I mean. Because um, Coventry, I think, I think it's, it's 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 worth throwing in there, and and I've just looked at it. Our performances up until we met Paris Saint-Germain in the Cup Winners' Cup were, were, were outstanding. I, I, I kind of remember a few of them, but they were all big scoring affairs. There was plenty of goals in them. We looked we looked good in that competition as well. Yeah, I mean, it's good to be back in Europe, and we have a we have a we have a good run in it. Um, I think we we win the first leg of that, don't we, as well at Anfield. Or is it the second leg that they beat us in the first leg and then we? we no, I think they yeah, beat they us beat us three nil. They beat us three nil. Yeah, we get it back to and we get it back to two nil, but we and we batter them, but we just can't. Get yeah, we it can't get the third goal. goal. Yeah, that's right. So I only saw the second leg. I only saw the Amphi leg, um, but I knew we went out. Um, but you know, it's a good side. There's no. It 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 is disappointing when you look back at it. And you think. We were so very close on in in so many competitions. Uh, we're unlucky with the with the cup final the year before, as you said. Uh, we're unlucky not to not to win the league ninety five ninety six. We're in a great position to win the league ninety six ninety seven and and the cup winners cup. That's the, the quarter final of the semis, isn't it? It's the semi final. The semi final. Uh, interesting. Football. Interesting. Barcelona won it one nil the final, 
with a real Ronaldo penalty. Think about that. There you go. So, so yeah, we've gotten all the way to the to the semi final of the Cup Winners Cup, really, in our first proper foray back into Europe. I mean, I think we're in the UEFA Cup ninety five, ninety six, but we go out at home against Bromby. Um, one of the most disappointing nights of my young Liverpool watching career. Um, but yeah, we, you know, it's that old chestnut. Great, great times. Big ups. You know, uh, plenty of lows as well. More up, more highs and lows. To be fair, but ultimately, just not quite having enough. This is where you thought you you were going to take the next step after the year before. Like this, genuinely was. That's fair. That's fair. Was, was when it was kind of like the season after we won the treble under Julie. Well, you thought, right, next season's going to be the next step. Next season's going to be where we really, we really go and we really win it and really do it. Yeah. And it, it, at the start of the season, it, it looks like it, it might actually happen because we start the season really, really well. And again, this Evans era, it's kind of punctuated by like Premier League classic games and brilliant performances. And, you know, that first, the first game of the season is, is 3-3 at the Riverside where Ravinelli announces himself with a hat-trick against us. And then, you know, for all of the talk about us not being being great at the back, you know, we win four of our next... So when we win five of our next six, draw one, and we only concede two goals. And one of them is in a 5-1 against Chelsea that Johnny was talking about early on. Another unbelievable performance. And, you know, this is kind of where McManaman starts to really emerge as like a real world-class talent and his relationship with Fowler is is brilliant and Berger's floating in behind there as well. Fowler, Fowler gets 31 goals this season. You know, he, he only gets 18 in the league, which is the the standards that we're, we're already holding him to now at the age of, I think, probably 23. And Again, the guys are right. It, it, it kind of we, we go to Old Trafford and we battle them and we and we don't beat them. Um, and but Dave, I, th- I think it's fair to say, you know, like and and on on the Fowler score, he he's doing that. But but this is the season where the injuries start. The, the, the next season's the bad one. But there, there's quite a few injuries in this season to Fowler as well. Yeah, it, it starts to starts to niggle. He plays a load of football, and you, you were talking about it earlier on. These teams, you know, it's maybe only 14, 15 players play in, in these sides. You know, if you 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 could pick the you pick nearly the eleven the eleven out from every season, um, and then you've like Harkness and Mario and and Thomas kind of floating around in the background, and and that's really it. Rush goes during this this period as well. You know, and and it really is a kind of in in this area, it's it's kind of one out, one in sort of thing. Um, when you're talking about transfers, it's not squads of twenty, twenty five players. It's maybe like fifteen first team players. So, yeah, it's it's not really about depth. It's just about about moments and you know the Man United game. They're talk. You guys were talking about, you know, three one. James form has gone absolutely out the window by this point, um, and it, it, it's getting to. It was getting to sort of Mignolet levels of Christ. There he is, in between the goal with the gloves and all on. He, he is playing again this week, and 
And he you used know, to come out with these ridiculous fucking haircuts as well. That <laughs> always fucking got him more shit than he deserved. Yeah, and you know it was his idea for the suits and all that, and they got so much stick for it. And you know he was sure he was the Arm was the Arm Armani model he was, and and that's how they ended up getting the suits. And you know ultimately <laughs> there was times the ball went past him, he looked like a mannequin. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. But Johnny's right. This this was this was a this was a real opportunity, a real opportunity. Um, and it kind of goes unspoken, but we had we had a chance there to, to capitalize on a, a healthy lead and to really stamp our authority on on the entire league season. And you know we failed to do it, and when we have an opportunity to get back into it again, you know we we don't win games at the right time and we don't beat our our rivals and. It was brilliant to watch. What a great side. And probably gave me like that romanticism I have in football where as long as my side are good to watch, I suppose I'm happy enough. But, yeah, underachieved again. Okay, Chief. Right, so we'll move forward into the next season then. And this was the season we saw Stan Collymore go uh, leave Liverpool and go to Aston Villa. We didn't lose an awful lot of money on him. Uh, we brought in Paul Ince, we brought in Carl Heinz Riedler, um, you know, and again, we 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 appeared that we were we were going fine and things were improving, and you know that that a title was or a title charge or a title uh, having a crack at it was 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 a possibility. Mm. Well, I mean, I think I, I think it was Dave Dunning who alluded or mentioned it in the the last when we were talking about the last season that. That um, you'd wanted to make the progression. Nin- 95, 96 was a great uh, was a great season, and 96, 97, as we just talked about, was the the year that we expected to maybe make that step up and 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 properly challenge for the league and, and maybe even win more than than you know than, than just being there or thereabouts. Um, it was the the year that you wanted to win some silverware, and. You kind of move forward then to 97, 98. You've almost got a, you've almost got a, a little bit of a reset because, like you said, um, uh, Collymore's gone. So that that partnership that's been scoring all the goals that that is no longer. Um, he's been phased out by that stage, and and he's 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 sold on. Um, we've got we've got the likes of Ivan Leonardson in. We've got. Carl Hadley, as you mentioned, who you know came with with, with great pedigree, but never didn't showed quite, it. <laughs> never really showed it. Did he? Let's be honest. It did, didn't. Uh, I mean, to us, that was a really. He, uh, he, he was a great disappointment. I think Neil. I, when I remember him coming, I thought this could be a game changer, but it never worked out that way. Never worked out. He was. Um, well, he was a. You know, it's difficult for for. Um, you know, modern fans or or younger fans to to maybe get their head around, but. Someone like Carl Heinz Riedler in those days was a really exotic signing, like you know, and and we thought, wow, German World Cup uh, winner or or you know certainly a German international. You, you felt it would be a benefit at least to the dressing room, if nothing else. Absolutely. The he brought. Yeah, you thought he'd be, you know, bring bring with him good habits and good culture, and he obviously was a top international. That that Germany team, West Germany and then Germany dominated international football really in the in the nineteen nineties. Certainly the, the the early part of the nineteen nineties. Um and it, it never really worked out. Um it's the season I mean if if 
if 96, 97 is a season where you're, you're hopeful all the way and then you're let down at, at the end, the beginning, yeah, the end of that season leads you to the point of, um, you know, maybe, maybe, um, Roy Evans's time is coming to an end. Maybe, just maybe he's not quite going to manage it for us. Actually, we have a, we have a pretty good season. I mean, we, we again, the emergence of Owen, I think, is key in all yeah. of this as well. And I think that, that, you, you know, I, I think that glosses over maybe what you've just said there about Evans, where we're going, maybe with this, this, you know, and let's face it, when Owen burst onto the scene, like the media, everybody exploded. He was, he was fucking special. There's no two ways about it. I know he's a ball bag as a, as a pundit and he's an, an agent and whatnot, but Jesus, he was, when he broke into that team, he was something like I've never seen before. He was damn special. I was, and and of course he was going to be a media darling because you know he was young, he's English, he was going to be playing for England, and unfortunately his England career almost eclipsed his Liverpool career in the end. Um, and you know he was he was the hottest thing and the greatest thing since since sliced bread, and you know that was really uh, something that we weren't expecting uh, because that in those days we've mentioned before, you didn't have the access that you had before. So the first time you were real, unless you were really, really, really clued in, the first time you were seeing Michael Owen really was, you know, the odd foray in the cup or whatever. And, and it was really when he started breaking into the first team. It wasn't like like when Raheem Sterling was coming through and we all knew about him and whatever. Michael Owen was, a, you know, was, it, it was a, a little bit more of a, of a secret. Um, so when he exploded onto the scene, it was like... Brilliant! We've got another one. I mean, we've got the two best young strikers in the in the country now, class. Um, and it's not a bad season. Like I said, we finished third. We qualified for the UEFA Cup as of right. We don't have to qualify for it. Um, we're twelve points off United, who win the league. I don't know. I think we're thirteen actually off Arsenal, who win the league by a point from United. Um, but that's 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 a brilliant Arsenal team. That's Overmars and and Burkamp and Anelka and and so on. Um, so it's not a bad season, but it was very much we're, we're not in anything that season. We're not in we're not in with a shout of anything. Um, we're, we're, we finished third, as I said, thirteen points behind. So we're not really in a title race. We go out of the FA Cup in the third round, and although we do all right in in the Worthington Cup League Cup that year, we get knocked out in the semi final, which is kind of the worst round to get to and and not go past. Um, so it feels like more of a disappointment, and it feels like more of an Inevitability you, that we'll have nothing to come the crunch. You know, you know the, the, the old thing that we we get battered for on Twitter and whatnot. Oh, next year's our year. I think that's around the time that we start because we were guilty of that. There's let's put our arms in the air. Was every every next year was our year, and I think that this this season and just now that we're talking about it, you know that's our, you know you looked at it, you don't come through. The, the young Jared appeared. You know what I mean? And you're going, next year, you know, we know we're not going to do it this year, but next year. And I think that's where that whole stigma thing of next year's our year came from, from this season. Well, it, it, it could do because from, from this era, because we're, we're so close across the four seasons to, to, to ultimately doing a lot better than, than we do. Well, and history will tell us that we did. Um, so you could you could legitimately be forgiven as a Liverpool fan for thinking, okay, well next year we're going to get it together. It's it's really coming, and I think that, that you, you may be onto something because we're we are so close, um, and we we every year we just think, oh, it's just just one piece is missing. If we can just get that right, just do a bit of business. You know, when Collymore signed, 
that was the business that was going to win us the league. You know what I mean? And then you mentioned Ince when he comes in. When he signs, a lot of there were a lot of people going, well, that's the steel we need in midfield now. That, that should sort it out. And ultimately, it, it just never happens. Um, I think with Ince being away in Italy and maybe us not seeing as much of him at that time, maybe as, as, as we would have when he was with United, we thought we were getting the United product, but we weren't. I think that's fair to say. I think there's a lot of about Paul Ince that was never quite true. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think he flattered to deceive a lot. I think he was one of those players that used his image and, and used that kind of um, hard man type um, image or, or, or aura that he tried to project to his benefit. I think I think he was blagging a lot of it, to be honest. I mean, he was a, he was a good player, but he was never this, this general. That, big uh, big time Charlie was what? Yeah. Fergie used to call him, I think, wasn't it? Absolutely. All, probably all mouth and no trousers, as they say. Um, so, you know, Ince wasn't a great signing, but, but more to the point, it was that each time, and I think Evans believed it as well, because you listen to some of the interviews and things that he says, he, we always thought, and he always thought we were one signing away from being the finished article, and it never quite seemed to work out. Um, whatever happened, we always fell short in another area. So it's just one of them, but I think this was the season that uh, really cements in a lot of fans' heads that um, if we want the ultimate success, then we're going to have to move on from Roy Evans. And, you know, we're going to talk about it in a minute. We, we do in the following season. So it's one of them. It's not a bad season, but you sort of know that, you know, we've peaked under Evans at that point and we're on the downward curve. No, indeed. And Johnny, you know, like, where, where do you stand on the ends thing, the Riedler thing? You know, the fact that we, we, we're we missing Robbie Fowler, um, you know, pretty much the majority of that season, you know, the emergence of Owen. And and you can understand then, you know, what, what I alluded to there, ne- next year we'll have Fowler back and maybe we, we strengthen here and there. You know, uh, what Neil said, it, it, it really was the, the, the tail end. Uh, maybe Evans had taken it as far as we, we could, but I don't think we saw it at the time. No, I think at that time you sort of lived in hope, but I think there was definite signs that, you know, we were deteriorating from the seasons that had gone before. I mean, Ince was not the player he was at United. He had some big moments um, for Liverpool, but he wasn't anywhere near the the, the midfielder that we the third we and the three be. three. Do you remember the three three we United, and that always sticks in the memory because. They celebrated that goal as if they'd won, and all we did was draw. And I didn't. I, I, it always sticks with me that one. I never liked that one. Yeah, that was. I think that was ninety eight, ninety nine, wasn't it? That was United's travel season, and uh, wasn't it? And equalised at the cup. I think it was two each, wasn't it? He scrambled one. No, it was three each. From what I remember, no, it was, it was three two each in that game. Or was it two? No, no way to three each with them. No way was three 0 down. But I think that game and scored was two each. Yeah. I think that was their travel season. But I know what you mean. We we just reveled then and trying. United were going to win a travel. And by 99... I, I couldn't believe that we were celebrating a draw. You know, I know exactly. that Klopp, Klopp got, got pelters for it a couple of seasons back, but, but that was a, a unifying moment. This felt something different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was... And I mean, by then, obviously, that was... You know, we had Hulain and stuff, I think. But that's the way it was going. But I do think, Dave, that if you look back, even if you look at the league table from that season, um, you know, we look back on that and go, oh, it was a fairly good season. We we actually, we 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 lost and drew. If you, if you combine the games we lost and drew that season, there were more of them than we actually won. 
We only won 18 out of 38 games. We didn't even win half our games. We finished with 65 points. I mean, it was a different league then. I mean, Arsenal won it with 78 points, which would get you bloody nowhere most seasons now. But I think overall, <coughs> it was, you know, the league was pretty up and down. Owen was a big find, but cups were disappointing. You know, Middlesbrough knocked us out over two legs in the League Cup. FA Cup was a disaster. First <clears throat> first game was home to Coventry and they beat us. Continuing the, the sort of jinx that they had on us. And then I think it was Strasbourg that, um, <coughs> sorry, a bit of a cough. Not Corona, I can assure you. Run uh, away! <laughs> um, and then Coventry, yeah, Coventry beat us at home in the Cup. Strasbourg put us out of Europe. I think Strasbourg beat us 3-0 or something crazy like that. Um, <clears throat> so overall, I thought it was a pretty underwhelming season. And coming from 96 and 97, where we felt, you genuinely felt, we're one of the best teams in the country. Um, you know, I think at that time, there was a definite decline. And that would ultimately then end up with, you know, the Hule joint manager experiment, which which just to me was flawed from the very start. It was almost, it just reeked of, they wanted to bring Hule in. He'd done a great job with the French Academy, but it was messy. They didn't really have the balls to do the right thing and just cut it, let well, give I think, Evans. I think given, given what Evans had been through, and, and you know, we alluded to it earlier on, John, he was brought into the club by Shankly. You know what I mean? The affiliation was there the whole way through the line. I don't think they could treat Roy Evans back. <clears throat> such a nice guy at, at the same token. No, but they fudged it. You know, they fudged it. They they done it in a messy way. They totally undermined him. They brought in Hulie. You know, they tried to dress it up as this will be this new modern blend and it'll work. But, you know, it very quickly became apparent. You know, and you, you read the interviews from the players in those days. You know, you can't have two bosses at a football club. Players didn't know if they were coming or going. <clears throat> Who actually is picking the team? Who do I go and speak to? If I need to clear the air, is it him that doesn't like me? Is it him? So it was doomed to failure. Um, and I think that season really was, I think that was the season where we realised, you know, he wasn't going to be the man to win us the league, unfortunately. And that was, just moved on from there. You know, to, to me, just joint managers, just, it's just not something that I, w- I would contemplate or, or I even think um, is, is rational. <laughs> to be fair, I think, I think you're just creating a bigger hole for yourself. Well, nobody's ever done it before or since. That's how mental it is. Like it's it's madness, and the guys are right. This this is what what we're what we see this season is just it's it's now a recurring theme, you know. It's now a recurring theme, but without the cup runs and without the excitement and without the you know the the glamour games and the real the real memorable moments, so to speak, and. You know, up until I think December, we don't win two games in a row, um, and then we win five in a row, and then we like win one of our next six or something. And you know, every time we look as though we're we're going to get back into it, we don't because we're never in it from the start. But you know, we're always playing catch up, and and every time there's a little chink. Of like it's kind of shot in our face by our own incompetence mostly. So yeah, it it was it was 
it was probably time, um, if you look at it that way. The, but Dave, when, when you can, if, if you if you look at it during this time, and, and you you consider what we went through, you know, after the Rafi era, and we went through some really fucking shit times. You know what I mean? This wasn't really that shit a time. You know what I mean? No, it wasn't, Dave. It absolutely wasn't. But I think everybody became a little bit. Everybody became a little bit um, disillusioned by the whole thing because it was just one false dawn after another, and that you know you were seeing it week in week out, and you were seeing it culminate over an entire season with you know cups, cup semi-finals, and nearly comebacks against Paris Saint-Germain, you know FA Cup final defeats, and you know defeats against Man United. We don't win any derbies, and you know it's it's the same old story, and it's it's even. That same old story is almost encapsulated by the teams who continue to thwart us, as, as the guys have touched on earlier on. It's always those same teams. It's always the Everton's and the Sheffield Wednesdays and the Coventry Cities, you know. Um, and I think at that point, it, it's just it's how many more seasons, how many more seasons do you give this? Um, and all of a sudden, this opportunity comes with a guy who is coming in off the back of, you know, France winning the World Cup. He's, he's involved in that whole setup, that whole French production line that produced that team. Um, and he comes in with, a, you know, a great resume. And he, he lived in the city and he, he studied in the city. And, you know, the, the cop in the 60s as a student. Yeah, you know, so there was a, there was a, a, a connection, a loose connection there that, that people could kind of get on board with that sort of loosely tied him to the club. And, you know, Johnny's right. They did fudge it and they put Roy Evans in a really, really awful position. And he ended up just walking, really. You know, he wasn't sacked. He, he just walked. Um, There's complete confusion behind the scenes and it was shown in performances. It was I think it's a measure of the, the man more than anything else, Dave, because it was his love of the club that I think drove him to walk. Yeah, and you know he may regret it now. He, I think he, he said that he, he maybe regrets not being a bit more decisive during that time. But ultimately, it's it's emotionally it must have been a really difficult place to be in, kind of in the back of your mind, not wanting to not wanting to believe the situation, but kind of knowing what the situation really was. And 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 it was a, it was a sad way for for his time at the club to kind of fizzle out. Um, and not really be given, you know, a send off, and, and not having, not having his his time at Liverpool kind of bookended, um, because he yeah. didn't. He, he comes in at, at, in the middle of one season and kind of finishes in the middle of another, and you know, you've got that bulk in the middle. But as I say, that bulk in the middle is kind of it's the same old, same old. A lot of it was brilliant and loads of fun, but results wise and trophy wise and silverware wise, it was it was the same. Same old, same old, unfortunately. Yeah, I think you've hit, hit a really good point there, actually. And it's, you know, it's something that maybe we stumbled on earlier without really knowing why. When Dave, Karen, you said that um, you, it, it's hard for you to remember that Roy Evans did so long as, as the manager. And, and he does. He does five seasons. I mean, he does two half seasons and four full ones. Um but I think that's I think that's the reason why because he starts halfway through a season and he doesn't actually get sacked or anything or he doesn't even leave at the end of a season. There's no send off. He unfortunately for him he kind of just has to sort of 
leave by the back door without too much. And, and he's created no controversy. He's not really made, you know, Roy Evans, the name, doesn't jump out in any headlines. It's always his team. You know what I mean? Whereas managers today, it's all, you know, like you, you look at it, Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. Jeez, it doesn't matter what, what club you manage. It's, the manager has a part. And maybe maybe that's another side of it as well. You know, Roy Evans was very much under the radar. He was the manager of Liverpool. You didn't see him shouting his mouth off in the media. He did everything by the book. He, he dotted his eyes. He crossed his T's. Was an all-round nice guy. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, he's never managed another club, has he? You know, he, that that was his only his only management. Swindon Town. He went he went to Swindon, but it was very nondescript. Yeah. So I mean, he's not had another top job. He's not looked to really pursue a career as a as a football manager. I mean, he's pretty much he's a Liverpool man through and through, really. And yeah, you know, it's one of them. I think he did a a really really good job uh, at the club and he conducted himself in the best possible way, as you you mentioned there. I think he did a fantastic job to turn Liverpool around from the sinking ship that uh, that, that they were under Sunez and, and, and you know, to to have them back challenging for the league within a season was, was, was a monumental task. And, you know, he did that and he got them into Europe and he got them winning trophies, maybe not as many as he could have, but he certainly did a fantastic job. And, you know, it is, it is a little bit sad for him that, that maybe he sometimes gets a little bit overlooked when people are thinking about Liverpool managers of the past and so on. Because I think the job he did is, we'll put it like this, if we hadn't had a Roy Evans to come in and, and steady the ship, if we'd have, we'd have taken another wrong turn after Sunez, who knows? You know, um, he re-establishes very much as the second, pretty much the second or third team in the country, you know. Across the 90s, there are other teams that come up and, and drop down. Blackburn win the league, for example. Arsenal win the league at the end at the end of the 90s, but they're not really a force for, for most of the 90s. Liverpool are top three every single season. Roy Evans is in charge, and they're in cup finals. So, I mean, did he ultimately get as much success as he as he could have, or as he could have, or as we wanted him to? Maybe not, but. He was certainly very successful in what he did, and, and he did a very important job for our club. No, indeed. And Johnny, in closing as well, your your own thoughts there on, on what Neil said. Anything more you want to add on, on, on Roy Evans? I just thought it was a sad way to end. <clears throat> I mean, this is a guy that was there through, you know, um, a period of unparalleled success. You know, you could argue in European football. I mean, he was there through Shankly, the Paisley, Fagan... Douglas and you know as the guys have said he was just a one club man he had no interest in, in, in anything else he wanted to be Liverpool manager he got the job um, I think he'd done a really good job for most of it I think with a bit more luck with some signings especially defensively and maybe just being a wee bit more ruthless with things like the goalkeeper and, and things like that we could have you know he could have won a league title and you never know um, but he but he built very good teams, and he certainly, you know, after the the, the horror of the Sunnis years and the, you know, the lows, uh, we did stoop to some lows. I, I think Evans he brought some really good football back, and he got Liverpool up competing at the top end again. Uh, and you know, he'll always, he'll be remembered fondly, and it just is sad as the guys have said. You know, he never got his 
what he deserved, which was his big send-off from the crowd and the appreciation for everything he did because of the way Liverpool ended it, which was really, really unfortunate. But it was a great era. Um, it was a great time. There was some great football, and I really, just really enjoyed it. And Dave, your your own just just to put put some numbers on this in closing, Dave. You know, he, he two hundred and forty four games in charge of Liverpool. He won one hundred and twenty three of them, uh, drew sixty three of them, and lost fifty eight of them. A win a win percentage of fifty point four. Not too bad. No, not at all. You know, um, if, if you're if you're talking today's money, it, it's Champions League football every year, and you know Wenger did that for ten years, and and and. Nobody really bat an eyelid until you know the last few seasons. So, in in today's money, would he be deemed more successful? Possibly. Don't know. Um, but I'll I'll look back upon Roy Evans' days as manager with like great fondness because it was it was fun and it was exciting and it was you know the the team that everybody wanted to switch on. And watch along with along with Newcastle United, but again, as as Chief mentioned, they were another another side that kind of you know came up for a couple of seasons and then disappeared again back into kind of mid table obscurity and ultimate relegation. And you know, from where Evans took us from to where he left us, um, and the platform that he gave Julia to go on with, because what he did do is he, he made the club attractive. You know, with his brand of football and with the types of players that were there, exciting footballers, McManaman, Fowler, Owen, um, it was it was a great time to watch football from my perspective. And you know, I think as soon as gave a platform, we talked about in the last one to Evans, kind of in the background, Evans very much raised that platform for Julia to take it forward again and we can only be thankful to him for that. Listen lads we'll leave it there for now because we've rambled on quite a bit um, on our little journey through our past managers must admit I'm, I'm much, much looking forward to whenever we get to Brendan Rodgers because by that stage my mental health will be completely gone I can maybe do a one man rant pod uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, would, I would dare say I'll be coming apart the scenes in another two or three weeks so I've uh, got that to look forward to but we have the Rafa years to, to, to get us by you know, it, it is good fun doing these and, and it, it's amazing just chatting to you guys just how much it, it's it, it brings back the memories of all this, you know. I don't know about you guys, but certainly for me, I I, I really enjoy just listening and, and and partaking in these. I can't wait to get a good two hours on Hudson. Oh, well, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a good solid two hours on Roy. Oh, don't worry about okay. that. I, 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 oh, I worry that we might struggle to do an hour on Hudson myself. Oh, know? fair. Don't you worry. I'm just allowed. I'm just thinking about people sitting under, you know, self-isolating and then having to listen to a two-hour pod about the Hudson years. Christ, that would send you over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I could go on for an hour about the, the team that fucking Rogers put out in the Bernabeu, so don't, <laughs> to, to be careful what you're wishing for. I'm still not over that one. But listen, guys, thank you for taking the time in isolation to come and talk to us and whatnot. And I, and I realise that our podcast numbers and our listenership is down due to the fact the world has stopped, but there's still enough of you listening that it's worth our while putting these out. So for you guys who are still listening, we will continue and, and keep them going. 
Um, it, 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 as I say, it's, it's just good crack to, to, to go back through and and remember and, and to have your memory jogged in some places along the way. So, guys, listen, just one last thanks for taking the time. As always, it's a, it's a joy, especially Johnny there for his for his uh, his biannual one. Uh, it'll be another six months before we we'll see him again. So, lovely talking to you, Johnny. Maybe, maybe, maybe not as long as the next one. Maybe not as long. I literally have nothing else to do. <laughs> ah, we've got you in captivity now. He, he could be back. <laughs> but listen, Neil, Dave, yourselves, as always, pleasure talking to you. And thanks for doing it. And for, for you loyal listeners who are still, uh, who are still listening, thank you very much. Thank you.